Podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Parker, and this is where the culture meets scripture. Full time with my pay. Full time, full time. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. No way with the slackers. No, no way with the slackers. No, 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 no way with the slackers. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. Full time with my Unafraid, unashamed, let them know You could kill our bodies but can't kill our souls Death can't hold us cause I didn't hold them He rose by the power of the Holy Ghost So we can never take a L No, even if our bodies fail So, this body's just a shell, all is well So I saw them we could find a hell, bro The weapon is formed but when I prosper But do you know what that means? Does that mean we're promised healing more feelings And the devil can't destroy all things? Job was restored but ten apostles were martyred Because they gave their lives for the faith Does that mean the weapon Many fence alliance, hard burnt the stakes, hated, beaten, crucified, far from safe. Chop our legs off, we'll still run the race, giving praise, blessing haters on the way. So before you start and say you bless your haters, Jesus blesses haters on the cross of favor. My soul in his presence, there's nothing greater. While my flesh fitted by an undertaker. So you won't have to cry for me. I'll be with him for eternity. No more sickness or disease. So death, please tell me where your sting. No weapon, no weapon can take my faith. And my weakness he's strong. Look at grace. No stressing, no stressing, I'll see his face. Though our bodies are Ain't afraid of no weapon, he took my blows With a bloody nose, he left all his foes Look beyond the woes, we can take some notes Ain't God he chose to redeem my soul So when him is hope, it's a backup up Ain't delusional, this ain't physical But a battlefield of the mind I see that it's spiritual when it's typical Satan want us to walk around black This war ain't flesh and blood, flesh and blood Listen up, listen cuz Your soul is in limbo, losing your mental God is essential, this body's a rental Ain't no worry, yeah Joy in the morning, yeah all around the corner, soldier, ain't no screaming in When it seem like a loss, yeah, yeah. to your whole look across Woo. I ain't like other folks, I'll go to the goat that he still got the stuff I heard of Paul being shipwrecked twice Faith still strong, he was beaten thrice He was one stone, never put up a fight Second Corinthians 11.25 Got a love for Christ, his ways ain't the norm Sleep in the storm, find peace in the storm No longer afraid, we are waging war All we do is win, run up the score Listen, that was the featured song for this episode by Path of Revelation, No Weapon, from our last album, The Peculiar, which is available on all digital outlets. Listen, I have a great show today for you guys. Have a lot to talk about. Have a lot to talk about. Um, I want to dive into a recent story of a pastor who just passed away in Virginia from COVID-19. Listen, there's been a lot of controversy 
um, a lot of controversy within the church realm on whether or not churches should be holding services. And there are people who, who are like, man, we should just have faith. Man, we should believe God, believe God is a healer and that he's going to protect us from the virus. And then there's other people that's like, hey, we have faith. We should have faith, but we also should take precaution. And so um, I want to I want to talk about this tragic story um, of the pastor who just passed away from COVID-19, who decided to hold services um, despite the warnings and the and the the warnings from government and the warnings from people and um i want to talk about this for a couple of reasons because i see the media trying to make the church look bad as a result of instances like this because this pastor this isn't the first pastor who lost his life um as a result or possibly as a result of continuing to hold services Um, So I want to get into that later um, and I want to talk about faith and wisdom and how we as Christians should be thinking through situations like this because these things are happening now and they're affecting many of us. And so before we get into all of that, I want to say again, I hope everyone had a wonderful Resurrection Sunday. Listen, he is risen just like he said and and i begin to think about the resurrection of jesus as it relates to the times that we're in right now like we've never had a, a resurrection sunday like this you know at least in my lifetime you know i've never been locked down to the house um i've never been in a pandemic that affected the world like this. And so I begin to think about the relevance of of Christ's resurrection and how it applies to us today and how we should be drawing strength from from the fact and the truth that he has risen. And so one of the things that I realized is that this pandemic is affecting a lot of us unfortunately there are a lot of people who 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 profess the name of jesus who 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 are believers in the lord jesus christ who have lost loved ones there are people who believe in christ who are sick right now there are people who who believed in christ who died as a result of this virus and so One of the things that I've been purposing to do is make sense of this present evil, this present tribulation that many of us are in and and how the resurrection of Jesus, how we can draw strength from the fact that he is risen. Listen, the fact that he actually rose from the dead means that he is who he said he is. It means that his word is true. It means that his death wasn't in vain. If he did not rise from the grave, if he was not risen from the dead, that would make his that would make him a liar, which would make his death in vain, which would make every word he spoke in vain, which would make the prophets prophecies in vain. All of these things would be in vain if he did not fulfill what he said he was going to fulfill. And so because he is risen, because he is risen, we can hold fast to the promises that are in the word of God. First Corinthians chapter 15. And I read this last show, but I want to read it again because this a lot of times for especially for those who listen to the show regularly, sometimes you will hear me Um, mention some of the same scriptures and may be phrased differently and may be put in a slightly different context or story. But the reason why I do that is because I believe it is so important for us to meditate on the word. I believe it's so important for us to get the word in our spirits. And so first Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14 um, 
I'm probably read a couple of these verses, but starting at verse 14, and it says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise. If it is true that the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile or pointless and you are still in your sins. You are still without hope. Verse 18, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But if in fact, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, referring to Adam, by a man has come also, referring to Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God, the father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And so, listen, I would encourage you guys, just like I did last week, to read this whole chapter, because what's awesome in this particular chapter, it begins to go through how we're all going to die one day and that death, that this life and death are temporary, are just transitions into a life that is eternal. Um, as the writer puts it, he talks about taking off corruption and putting on incorruption. He talks about taking off that which is perishable and putting on that which is unperishable. And so we're going to take off this body one day, this this decaying body, this body that gets musty, this body that gets stinky breath, this body that needs a haircut every two weeks or every month uh, or this body that puts weave on. And, and, and I'm talking to the ladies now, this body that that puts weave on and and gets the eyebrows arched. There is coming a day where we're going to put this body off of us, which is dying daily, which is perishing daily. And we're going to put on incorruption in Christ. And it is important for us as believers, even as we mourn in the moment of those we may have lost, even though we may feel pain and hurt because of the loss and the tragedies that we're seeing around us. It is important for us not to lose sight of the fact that this is all temporary and that we are living living for much more than what we can see today. For the Bible says that this life is but a vapor. We're here today and gone tomorrow. With this life, we're here one moment and then tomorrow we enter into eternity. But thank God that he has risen from the grave as he said he would. And so because he is risen, we can grab hold to the promises that the life to come, the, the, that, that the suffering as um, Romans 8 and verse 18 says that the sufferings of this present moment aren't to even be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And so the problems that we do see, just as we acknowledge the problems that we do see, we have to begin to acknowledge the God that we can't see. We have to rehearse the word in our hearts. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus said in Matthew 5 that blessed are they that mourn, 
for they shall be comforted. And so we can grab hold to all of his promises because he is who he said he is. And because he is who he said he is, that means that his word is true. And so as I begin to think through all of the, the tragedy and the and the sorrow that I, I see on one hand, I must admit that it makes me sad. As I hear of people, even in my own church and connected to people in my church, lose loved ones, lose fathers, lose mothers, um, have aunties and brothers in the hospital right now. I must admit that it makes me sad and my heart a bit heavy. But on the other end, I have this confidence and I have this joy that doesn't even make natural sense. I have a peace that doesn't make natural sense because I know though what I do see is real, I know that what I don't see is just as real because the just shall live by faith and and we shall walk by faith and not by sight. And so it is about rehearsing the word. Um I'm reminded and 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 as I begin to just think about this show, one of the things that I believe the Lord really laid on my heart is that God doesn't always promise to remove hardship and trials, but he does promise to give us peace in the midst of it. He does promise to give us hope and endurance in the midst of it. And and here's something that a lot of us, I think it is important for us to come to terms with, and, and that is, though God is able to to perform miraculous miracles, to perform the miraculous. That doesn't mean that he is obligated. God often, excuse me, God often uses suffering and discomfort to produce faith in our lives. And and I'm reminded of, I'm reminded of Apostle Paul as he writes in Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse six through 10. Now, what's 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 important or, or interesting about this is that Paul had an infirmity he was dealing with. And what was what's interesting about the infirmity that he was dealing with in this um, in these texts of scriptures that I'm going to read to you. He makes it very clear that he that the infirmity is from the devil. But he also lets us know that though the infirmity is from the devil, that God has a purpose for allowing the infirmity, that God has a purpose to use even the trial or or, or tribulation that exists in Paul's life to get glory out of Paul. And to and to produce fruit in Paul's life. And so Paul starts out, if we look at verse six, second Corinthians chapter 12, verse six, he says, though, if I if though, if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So Paul is talking about being a being versed in the scriptures. He's talking about being versed in the law and the wealth of knowledge that he's that he has and the things he's basically talking about how great his resume is and how he would not be wrong to talk about how great his resume is. But he says, I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. Because how many know people will put you on a pedestal if you let them? When people see your gifts and talents, whether you can sing, dance, rap, or whatever you're good at, if people see you in your element of your talent, if you let people, they will put you on a pedestal. And so verse seven, he goes on to say, so to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that he had, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. Listen to this, a messenger of Satan to harass me. 
Now listen, what we're looking at, the trials in our lives, many of us have trials in our lives that are literally harassing us. Whether it may be debt, it may be sickness, it may be bitterness from um, in, a, in relationships, it may be different things that we're wrestling with, but they're, they're harassing us. And he says, th this, this messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Hold up. So he said, he's saying this infirmity or this attack of the enemy was given to me to keep me humble, to keep me from becoming conceited or thinking more highly of myself than I ought to. This thing or this thorn in my flesh was given to me to keep me from becoming big headed. In verse eight, he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly. And this is his response. So the Lord responds and says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. But and then Paul responds and says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, many of us have to come to a place. Listen, it's nothing wrong with asking God to heal. It's nothing wrong with asking and believing God to heal in faith, believing that he's able to heal in faith. It's nothing wrong with those things. But we should also have the mindset that we see here in Paul, where we recognize our inability to handle what's before us. When we recognize our weaknesses in light of his strength. And, and so Paul, what we see Paul doing here is we see him doing as 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 John does in I believe John 15 and 33 where he says I must decrease and he must increase see sometimes we miss out on the miraculous power of God showing up in our lives because we're not willing to deny ourselves we're not willing to humble ourselves and say hey I'm not as great as I thought as I think I am I'm not as great as the people say I am. I'm not as as I'm not as talented or as as dope as as I think I am. Sometimes we need to humble ourselves. And the moment we humble ourselves, we will see that through our weakness, it is an entrance for the power of God to rest on us. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Listen, it's all right to cry. It is all right to 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 say, Lord, I am weak in this moment because when you decrease and get and put your weaknesses in his hand, then his strength is made perfect in your life. His power will rest upon you. One of the things that I have purposed to strive to do. Whenever I face hard trials and hard situations is to not just pray, God, take this away from me like Paul prayed, but God, help me to learn what I need to learn from this. God, what is the lesson that you're teaching me from this? Because God, I know that you're in control. I know that nothing happens outside of your control. I know if whether good or bad comes, I know it's because you have allowed it or caused it. And so, God, what am I to get from this? Lord, help it make sense for me.
Some people say don't question God. I think that's one of the dumbest statements ever said. And no, we shouldn't. We shouldn't blaspheme or 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 dishonor God or disrespect God. But my Bible says, ask and you shall receive. The Bible says to ask for wisdom and he gives it freely. Some of us lack the peace of God because we're not pursuing the wisdom of God. And one thing that I've learned is when you begin to pursue the wisdom of God, there are so many benefits that come with pursuing the wisdom of God. Like even even when I when I think of uh, King Solomon, when he could have asked God for anything, he could have asked God for anything. He asked God for wisdom. Because the wisdom of God, um, it, it opens. The Bible says in Proverbs that wisdom is the principal thing. And so I don't want to have faith or love void of wisdom. I don't want to have and, and I'm not talking about a worldly um, wisdom. I'm not talking about a worldly love, but godly wisdom and godly love. So but I want to transition real quick to talk about this situation with the pastor in Virginia who just recently passed away from the coronavirus. And my prayers are truly with his family and his church. But I want to talk about this for a couple of reasons, because this has not just this story, but the idea of churches still holding uh, public gatherings um, in the midst of this pandemic has been a has been a topic of controversy amongst believers. There are some believers who say, hey, we we should still be able to have church and gather and just believe that God will protect us from the virus, that God will not allow us to get sick. And and there's this thought that if a person does get sick, it's because they didn't have enough faith. And then there are those who are on the side of, well, we should have faith in God, but we should also use common sense or have wisdom not to meet. Um, and, and just wait until there's a solution to this sickness, um, some type of treatment, vaccine or medicine that they come up with to keep people from getting sick. And so I want I also want to talk about this, this, this story, because I see and even specifically with this story in Virginia, I'm, I'm observing how the secular media is taking this story and running with it and using it as an um, opportunity to make Christians look bad and delusional um, and bash the church. Um, I've seen multiple different headlines and where they're they're <laughs> they're just talking bad about the church. But I want to read. The, the article that was posted by the New York Post as they covered this pastor. And um, I want to say this, too, before I read the article about this pastor. This pastor isn't the first pastor to die potentially because of continuing to hold services. Just here in Michigan, we've had anywhere from around seven to eight pastors, elders, and bishops die from the coronavirus um, within the last two or three weeks. Um, and it's potentially because they were still holding services, conferences, and concerts, and things of that nature. And there are some bishops and first ladies who are still in the hospital right now with the virus. And so this has been something that that has hit the church, not just members, but leaders in the church. And, and it's so unfortunate. It breaks my heart to see this. And, and it breaks my heart to see not just families lose um, their father or grandfather 
and churches lose their shepherds, but to see how the world and secular media will take this as an opportunity to say, look, you you said you have faith in this big God. Where is he right now? I'm, I'm not OK with that. I'm not OK with that. And so I want to first read this article from the New York Post. And it starts out by saying about the pastor, he practiced what he preached. Then he died of coronavirus. An evangelical pastor died of COVID-19 just weeks after proudly showing off how packed his Virginia church was and vowing to keep preaching, quote, unless I'm in jail or the hospital, end of quote. In his last known in-person service on March 22nd, Bishop Gerald O'Glenn got his congregation at Richmond's New Deliverance Evangelistic Church to stand to prove how many were there despite warnings against gatherings of more than 10 people. Quote from the pastor, I firmly believe that God is larger than this dreaded virus. You can quote me on that. Quote, end of quote. He said, repeating it a second time to collapse, saying that, quote, people are healed, end of quote, in his church. Happily announcing he was being controversial by being in violation of safety protocols with, quote, way more than 10 people, end of quote, at the church, he vowed to keep his church open. Quote from the pastor, unless I'm in jail or the hospital, end of quote. Quote, I am essential, end of quote. He said of remaining open, adding, quote, I am a preacher. I talk to God, end of quote. On Sunday, his church announced Quote, with a with an exceedingly sorrowful and heavy heart, end of quote, that the pastor had died a week after being diagnosed with COVID-19. His wife, Marcicia Glenn, is also sick with the bug, with church members offering their prayers. Their daughter, Mar Marguerite Crawley, told WTVR that her father, initially dismissed his symptoms because he has a condition that often leads to fevers and infections. <clears throat> Excuse me. She is now urging everyone to stay home. It becomes very real to you. She told WTVR after her parents diagnosis, quote, I just beg people to understand the severity and the seriousness of this because people are saying it's not just about us it's about everyone around us end of quote and so listen my heart is 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 devastated and broken over this but i want to have this conversation because i i believe it is an opportunity for us to first pray for the saints Pray for those who lost their pastor. Pray for the family and pray that they're comforted. But I also believe this is an opportunity for us to talk about faith and wisdom. Listen, I don't know if everything that I want to also say, I don't know if everything that the New York Post or what I see in secular media is true. I don't know if if they're reporting every single detail honestly. And so I want to throw that out there, but I do want to want to talk about it on the basis of not just what happened with this pastor, but what I'm seeing across the country as it relates to many churches who are still saying, hey, we're going to have church or, hey, we, you know, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Do you believe that God is a healer? Do you believe that God is bigger than this virus? And if and if and if so, you shouldn't be encouraging us not to have church. And so, listen, what bothers me about this isn't just that he passed away, but I'm looking at how the news and the media seems to be mocking the pastor's statement that he made when he said 
he believes that God is bigger than the coronavirus. Like they say, oh, he said God is bigger than the coronavirus, then he died from it. And so I want to I want to deal with faith and wisdom. And I want to start out by asking the question, because he died, does that mean that he was wrong when he said that God is bigger than the coronavirus? Does that mean that he was wrong because seven, eight bishops died here in, De in, in Michigan from the virus? Is is God truly in control when things like this happen? Are, are situations like this the result of a lack of faith or or are, are situations and listen, are situations like this the result of a lack of wisdom and lack of good judgment in the moment? It doesn't mean that the people that die, it doesn't even mean that the people who who passed away aren't wise. But I know if not for God, I wouldn't be here today. Many of us have made bad decisions that should have cost us our freedom and, sh and should have cost us, even cost us our lives, if not for the grace of God. See, we need God. Like one of the things that this quarantine, and I have to say this before I get into this, one of the things that this quarantine has really made me sit down and observe within myself and come to terms with in myself is my weaknesses. And I and I and I got a revelation that it's not just the people who trust in God or or name the name of God who are dependent upon God. But people who don't even put their trust in God are dependent on God even when they don't realize it. Like I'm reminded of Paul when he quoted the Roman philosopher in, um, I believe, Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 21 or 28, something like that, where he says, in him we live, move and have our being. And a lot of times I would hear that scripture applied to believers, but that scripture was talking about all of humanity. It wasn't just talking about believers. It was talking about humans. God literally sustains us and gives us life even the breath that we use to question his goodness is the breath that he's giving us and so we all need God whether we realize it or don't realize it and so one of the things that I begin to ask is because he died does that mean that he was wrong because the pastor died, does that mean that he was wrong when he said that God is greater than the coronavirus? And my response to that is absolutely not. God is greater than the coronavirus. But I think it's important, first and foremost, we have to understand that God is able to do anything. But that doesn't mean that he will. We must also understand that faith must be accompanied by wisdom. Our faith has to be guided by wisdom. What do I mean by this? Let me use this example real quick. If you're in a burning house, would you refuse to evacuate because you believe God is going to save you? Like, would you evacuate out of the burning house or stay in the burning house because you're like, man, God is greater than this fire. No, of course not. Because most people will do what they should do and escape. Does that mean that God couldn't protect and preserve you if you didn't escape? Of course not. God can do anything. Listen, God can preserve you just as he did the Hebrew boys who were tossed in the fiery furnace. He can he can do whatever he wants to do. But here's where a lot of times where we make the mistake at. Sometimes we make the mistake of having faith void of wisdom and discernment. Just because we have faith does not mean that God is obligated. 
And I know I probably said that already once, but I'm going to say it again. Just because we have faith does not mean that God is obligated. Just like I read earlier about the story of Paul, Paul could have had faith for God to remove the thorn in his flesh, all that he wanted. God, I'm, he, the Bible says he pleaded with the Lord three times and he probably would have continued pleading with the Lord more, more times if he did not get the response that he got from the Lord. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So you, our faith doesn't make God obligated to do what we want. And if we think that, then that isn't true biblical faith. Because true biblical faith says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. True biblical faith, as we see in Philippians 4, when Paul is writing, he says, I've learned how to go through the pits. I learned to go, to go low and I've learned how to go high and have more than enough. He says, whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. I've learned to trust God, whether things are good or bad. That is true biblical faith. Lord, I, this is what I desire, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And Lord, if it doesn't go the way that I want it to go, I'm still going to trust you and know that you're able to do it. And so we have to understand it is essential for us to understand just because we have faith for something doesn't mean that God is obligated to do it. And we should always be seeking the will of God, seeking the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because he is who comforts us. He is who leads and guides us into all truth. He is who testifies to us of Jesus. And I've been doing a lot of reading lately in the book of Acts lately. And, and, and for you guys who have probably listened to the last few shows, something that I've been consistently encouraging you guys to do is to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Don't just make your pursuit of God, traditions and em empty traditions and routines. Be intentional about seeking God. Be intentional about pressing into his presence. Be intentional about get getting guidance in the, in the unction of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you. As I read through the book of Acts, I see how the apostles were led by the Spirit. They weren't just randomly going places, preaching, healing people and casting out demons. They were led and convicted by the spirit. And even when we look at Paul, who had an infirmity. Even though the Lord catch this, even though Paul had an infirmity that still did not hinder the Lord. Or the Holy Spirit from using him to heal other people in the name of Jesus. And so there's a reality that you can be dealing with an infirmity or some type of trial. And God will use you to deliver other people from their trial while calling calling for you to bear your trial. We don't know. We don't know. Here's here's the tough part about this. And I'm just keeping it real with you guys. We don't know why we don't always know a lot of times we don't know why God does for one person, but doesn't do for another. We don't always know that have the answers. And so we have to take hope, though, in the fact that he is risen and that he promises to give us peace and, and supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And we have to also hold on to the promises, the promise that all things work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. And so regardless of how it may looks, it's working out for my good. But we also have to have a heart that's submitted and yielded to the will of God. But as I look through the book of Acts. They weren't just doing things randomly. They just weren't 
preaching, healing people and casting out demons randomly. They were led by the spirit. When they would purpose to go somewhere, for example, there was times when they were purposed to go somewhere, say, for example, like Asia. And it wasn't the will of God. The spirit would reveal it to him and say, no, go here. Go to Macedonia or go go here instead of going where you want to go. And he and wherever he sent them. His word would prosper regardless of the persecutions that was happening to them, regardless of the tribulations that they were that they were going through. The gospel was being advanced. And so with all of this being said, we have to have faith. But that does not require us to ignore wisdom and uh, and us having wisdom and acknowledging the problem and acting accordingly to the problem, just like you wouldn't run, stay in a burning house. That doesn't mean that we we lack faith. That doesn't mean that we we lack trust in God when we when we see something that could potentially kill us or those we love and we take the proper precautions. God is still God. But here's the reality. As we have hope in him, the reality is we're going to all we're all going to die one day. So does that mean that if I acknowledge that, that I have a lack of faith or trust in God? Absolutely not, because we understand that because we still live in a fallen world and the Bible says the prize is given to he that endures till the end. And as a result of living in a fallen world, we have to deal with sickness. We're going to all die one day. But the part of enduring to the end is the is the promise of God that says, though we are in corruption. This is why I mentioned this in the beginning of the show, because we are in a corruptible flesh. The Bible says that we die daily. A lot of times we, we hear that scripture applied to us denying our flesh. But the context when you read um, the, the context, which is found in First Corinthians 15, when you continue reading beyond what I read. Um, it's it, Paul is talking about how our flesh is corruptible. The body that we, we, we live in right now is corruptible, but there is coming a day where what is corruptible will put on incorruption. And so we, we have to endure this temporarily. We have to deal with sickness and, and death temporarily. And yes, there are instances where where God will heal. I believe God will heal. I've seen God heal. God healed me of, of a breathing condition when I was born. I've seen God heal people of cancer. I've seen I've seen the hand of God move, but I've also seen people die. And so does that mean that God is 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 powerful one moment in certain instances? instances but lacks power in others absolutely not and so we we have to have faith rooted in wisdom and discernment because listen there's some times where God may lead you to pray for someone who's sick I'm not even doubting that God may lead someone to pray for someone who has the coronavirus and that person be healed. I believe he can do it. And it's all unto his glory. And so whether we die or whether we live, God is still on the throne. He's still all powerful. And at the end of the day, even though even if we look at Lazarus, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. <laughs> But even after Lazarus was raised from the dead, he still died. And so we have to have faith with wisdom and allow the spirit to give us discernment. We have to stop taking these extremes. You know, oh, y'all don't have faith or oh, y'all, you know, we, we have to have wisdom. 
I'm going to take the leading of the spirit. If God leads me to do something, I'm going to do it. If I, if he doesn't, I'm not going to do it. And so I, I pray that this show has been insightful for you and has been a blessing to you and encouraging for you as well. Make sure you guys share the show with someone. Make sure you 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 subscribe if you haven't subscribed. We have a lot of good stuff coming up in the very near future. Um, I promise you guys, I'm going to have my wife on really soon. She may even be on next episode. But listen, I'm super excited about what God is doing. If you guys want to donate to Path of Revelation, you can cash at me. Gabriel T. Parker is my cash app. Or you can go to the PayPal and um, our, our PayPal is path of revelation now at gmail.com. Listen, whenever you guys sow into the ministry, the money goes right back into path of revelation, whether it's in marketing and ads or, or whatever, it's, it's going right back to the work of, of the Lord. And so I really appreciate all of you guys support prayers and help um, through this, the course of this last year. And, and listen, make sure you guys go to pathofrevelationnow.com and leave your prayer requests. Leave your prayer requests and suggestions for future shows. But thank you guys for tuning in. You have been tuned in to the Path of Revelation podcast. And this is where the culture meets scripture.